Hey folks, it's your friendly neighborhood producer, H. I just wanted to give you a heads up that even 44 episodes in, accidents can still happen. For this, The Transformers, the movie episode, Jason's audio setup sounded like it had been hijacked by the Decepticons. Bear that in mind as you listen, though his insights are still liquid gold. Our apologies in advance. Thanks, everybody. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie, or just talk about great movies if you don't care about Dune. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Fun fact, everyone who is in this movie will at some point be dead. And from our fellow Tape Deck podcast show, Lost Light, the Transformers podcast, Caleb Van Deren. This all would have been avoided if they would have just put a roof on. And Jim Lind. And in hindsight, it was a complete waste of my time. On this episode, we discuss the 1986 science fiction movie that aged a generation, The Transformers, the movie. We cover the importance of succession planning, debate hair metal, and wrestle with mortality after the traumatic loss of Optimus Prime. If you're enjoying the show, join our new Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. A link to the server is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, The Transformers. Welcome to the very first ever Tape Deck crossover podcast event. Crossover. Yeah. It's the Avengers of Tape Deck podcasts. This, I assume the opening moments of this will be like where we meet each other as opponents and we fight and then we earn, it's a, like a misunderstanding. Like what, what was the misunderstanding that, that kind of got our two podcasts together? I don't know. I asked to be on. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, see, this is easy. So now we've earned the grudging respect, and now we'll team up and and go tackle this this event. No, but seriously, I'm really stoked to have you guys. Uh, You know, Tape Deck has been around just for the last week Mm -hmm. uh, by the time that this is airing, but I've known Caleb and Jim for many years as part of the Paper Keg crew, and it's been awesome. What's your, which uh, episode of, uh, of Lost Light, what are you guys on right now? Um, episode 13, I think is the next one. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. You know, we don't, we don't play it by the, the conventional rules of numbers or recording weekly, any of those sort of things that people expect you to expect of a podcast. Uh huh. No, that's not how we play. Always keep them guessing. They say, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. the best, best way we were going by the volumes, but then we did a, the Transformers movie with Neil and, um, a little mini series. So nice. Great. Can you, for folks who don't know, what just tell, explain what the Lost Light podcast is? Jim? We're just uh, cruising through uh, more than meets the eye. Uh, the Transformers comic book, the one that um, everybody loves who has read it, and the only people who don't love it are people who haven't read it. And age. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what's your favorite Transformers comic series? You know, I was gonna. I was gonna say, I'm like really grateful to have uh, you guys here because my knowledge of the Transformers is pretty much like f- focused on everything that I learned from age like six to ten, and then like that's it. Like it got frozen in time, mm-hmm. and so I don't have really anything uh, outside of 
outside of that window. So I'm excited to hear, I'm excited to learn in this podcast, like how this movie, which I definitely does fall into that, ties into the, to the greater universe. Yeah. Mm. Well, welcome. I, I think it's fair to say you're about to get an education. So we're going to get into that in the bottom of the hour. We will be covering Transformers, the movie from 1986, the seminal. Let me, let me just step on top of you here, H. It is <laughs> the Transformers, the movie. The Transformers, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me just update my uh, spreadsheet here so that, <laughs> that is correctly reflected. Get him, Jim. <laughs> Drag his ass. Next week on Dune Pod. Okay, really excited. Keeping the tape deck podcast theme going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have fresh off the brand new launch of the podcast Film Hags. Okay. Okay. Starring Boom and Maggie and Sophie, who was uh, recently on the show. Uh, we have Mel Mendez, cartoonist, sensation, and she is coming on the pod to talk about Keanu, River Phoenix, Tracy Ullman, Kevin Klein, and Duke Leto himself, John Hurt, mm-hmm. in Lawrence Kasdan's I Love You to Death. Yes. Have you ever seen this movie? Nope. I just realized Jason has a great, who is Carson's sidekick? Ed McMahon. <laughs> is that me? Ed McMahon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> hey now. So next week, very excited. We're gonna have uh we're gonna have I Love You to Death. This movie is completely bananas. It's really, really good. It's super funny and it's very strange. Um, so I'm very excited for for everybody to check that out next week. Yeah. All right. Can we get into some Dune news? Would you like to know more? Let's Okay. Yeah. All right, there's some shit going down. So first of all, Dune is basically confirmed for the Venice Film Festival. That's wild. That seems like an ambitious place. But I guess, I mean, it's, it seems hopeful that like he thinks that will play to that, to like a film festival audience. Apparently, Denny took a rival to Venice. Yeah, that's a very different science fiction movie. <laughs> like, you know, maybe. Fair. Can you, uh, can you lay it down for us common folk? Uh, when is this uh, Venice Film Festival? What, what is it? Why is it? This is September. Any, any sort of... This is an annual, okay. extremely prestigious film festival that happens. And a lot of Oscar contenders come out of the Venice Film Festival, as well as Cannes is the other big, big one. Didn't they do Logan in one of those film festivals like that? They might have. I mean, like Joker... Like Joker won like the Golden Lion in 2019. Maybe that's what I was thinking. So it's like, it's not entirely like, it's not like they wouldn't put movies that they imagine to be big box office movies there. Although Joker is also like kind of a weird one. But if you look at like the other movies that were in contention in like 2019, it's like nothing else. You know, like Ad Astro was there. I guess that's like sort of mm-hmm. a, a big blockbuster movie. Hmm. But you know, they're, they were. They're, they're like a lot of arty movies, like, you know, which is fine, which is great. It's just like weird. I would be pissed if I showed up with my like, you know, movie about like, you know, cowboys eating pudding or whatever. And and like I got blown out by the Joker movie. Like that seems like it seems like a raw deal. Like, you're, you know, it's supposed to be like, you know, 27. The year before Roma was like the top was the top movie. Right. Uh, you know, at the which which makes sense. So that's what you would kind of expect to see. Very good. Final piece of D news. Dune is basically confirmed for day and date streaming in HBO Max, maybe. Well, yeah, we don't really know. Basically confirmed, maybe? Hmm. This, is, this is our news? Yeah. It's very confusing. What happened was is... Uh, Deadline. 
Deadline announced that Dune was not going to obey the previously announced deal to have day and date streaming and instead would follow on HBO Max at a later date to be determined and exclusively premiere in theaters. Several hours later, the head of comms for Warner Media tweeted, uh, that's not true. Like, it's going to be available for day and date streaming. The next day. <laughs> and then this is all in the context of Discovery buying all of the AT&T media assets. So it's unclear if any of the people who were involved in that decision or confirming or disconfirming the rumor, rumor even work there anymore. So it's impossible to say what's going on at this point. So it's coming out. That's that's what we know. It's going to come out somewhere. Yes. People people will be able to watch it. Some, okay. All right. The movie will exist in some format. Basically, probably. Well, I'm, I'm actually happy because I, last I saw was it wasn't going to be available streaming and I was a little disappointed because... I was looking forward to that, but yeah. All right. Let me ask you guys, do you have a history with Dune at all? Mm, good question. And if so, what is it? Jim? <laughs> How long is this podcast? <laughs> it is not meant to be a stumper. It's meant to be a simple question. <laughs> we don't gatekeep here, Jim. You can, you can have no experience. It's fine. I'll just give you a real, I'll just give you the starter because I, I was going to say it's going to be a long Long, treacherous story, but I'll just give you the starter that uh, I watched uh, some random cut of it on basic cable at one mm. point. Uh, the thought, uh, I was like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know what's going on here. I uh, didn't think much of it. Uh, somewhere along the line, I heard about these other weird extended cuts and mm-hmm. bits of pieces of things that expanded on the story and were closer to the novel. Uh, piqued my interest, read the novel. Wow. Uh, and I've basically been all in ever since. Um, that original movie holds a place near and dear in my heart mm. uh, where the, uh, what is it, the nostalgia fog, the fog of nostalgia. Wow. Uh, no, it's always five stars every wow. time. Toto uh, rocks my wow. world every time. Uh, even that uh, mini series, totally into that. <laughs> Uh, I bought all those Kevin J. Anderson prequels in the slightly larger hardcover and not the slightly smaller hardcover because I wanted to be holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah, that is um, the crux of it is basically your same story, Jason. Right, seeing different versions on TV and being like, "What the hell is going on?" So yeah, like trying to figure out trying to figure out the Rashomon of the various Dune cuts. Mm. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Caleb? I am untouched um, by Dune. Um, my dad, my dad. It's one of my dad's favorite books. He tried to show me the movie when I was like eight or nine, uh, the the Lynch one. Yeah, and um, yeah. W- wasn't having it, and ne- never picked up the books. I, I picked up the book from his house and brought it to my house the last couple months, but um, it sits on my dresser. Uh, that's where it lays. We're like recommending people just stay off now. <laughs> yeah. At this point, sure. like you're in the shoot, like just just go see the movie, experience it as as what it is, and then circle back around and read the book. That that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I, I was gonna read the book, but not really gonna read the book, and then Mm-mm, Papi, yeah, sit sit tight. I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna be okay. All right, very good. Well, with that business out of the way, what do you say we get into The Transformers, the movie? Mm. Let's do it. Ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Transformers! 
The Transformers, the movie, is an epic struggle and the chance to emerge as one's fullest potential. For uncounted millennia, war has raged on the planet Cybertron between the benevolent Autobots and the evil Decepticons. Sensing the opportunity to crush the Autobots once and for all, Megatron pursues them back to Autobot City on Earth, setting up a confrontation that costs him and Optimus Prime their very lives. Suddenly, without their beloved leader, Hot Rod, Ultra Magnus, Cup, Grimlock, the human child Daniel Witwicky, and the other surviving Autobots must flee the Decepticons, their new leader Galvatron, and his huntsmen, and the ultimate threat, a planet-sized machine named Unicron. Can Hot Rod prove that he has the touch by uniting the Autobots, wielding the Allspark, and transforming to fulfill his destiny? Or is this the end of the road for The Transformers, the movie? great yeah it's great movie. we got it we got it so just quickly in terms of the of the the crew um i was shocked to discover when the credits came up that this was a dino de Laurentiis production can't get dino out man dino touches it all god he was just really on top of it. <laughs> did you say did you guys see the marvel productions too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. exactly and so i did mm-hmm. a little bit of background reading so in 1984 Basically, Reagan had the U.S. regulators remove restrictions around product promotion. Right. And that's what allowed Hasbro to, they had the the Diaclone and the MicroChange robot figures, and they had previously teamed with Marvel on G.I. Joe. So they hired Jim Shooter, who created the concept of Autobots and Decepticons, um, and that became the show Gen 1 uh, and the movie. Amazing. Mm. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. It's like I'm... Like I'm telling you this, like you guys don't already know all this. Obviously, <laughs> our our audience won't know that though. I didn't know that about the the. I mean, I knew Hasbro wanted to sell toys, but I didn't know that about Reagan. Yeah, it's like what led to like all of like the like everyone's like, okay, you guys want to buy some, you guys want to buy some 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 lions, strawberry shortcake, some, some big cats. <laughs> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so this movie takes place between season two and season three of the telev- of the television show. Mm-hmm. I had watched Transformers as a youth for sure myself. I saw this film in the theaters at 16 years old or 15 or 16 years old and loved it. So it was great to see. I saw this movie in the theater at 10 and it traumatized me for some period of time. (laughs) Mm. I was very trepidatious about revisiting it because of the the trauma inflicted. (laughs) And I think like it was less about like Optimus Prime dying, spoiler alert, and more Mm. about... Which, like, I think people talk about a lot. It's like, oh, this is actually pretty heavy for kids. Like, you go, you know, you're, you go see this movie mm-hmm. and all these fucking heroes are your die. Yeah. And more that just because of the songs in particular throughout the movie, it didn't feel like the Transformers to me. And it introduces a bunch of people that mm-hmm. weren't mm-hmm. in the cart, the season one and season two cartoon. And so you're just like, is this real? Mm-hmm. Is this even really Optimus Prime that died? Or is this like some kind of movie Optimus Prime? Like I was very confused about the continuity as a child. That that kind of fucked with me. Hmm. How about you guys? Full disclosure, uh, in preparation, 
for this episode. Wow. Uh, I watched the first two seasons. Oh, my God. Wow. Of the G1 cartoon. Wow. Uh, so I, I would know, mm-hmm. I would know, like, what was going uh-huh. on. Um, right. And in hindsight, it was a complete waste of my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because nothing that happened. Because it's a 20-year time jump. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like, we, the, towards the end of season two, they were really getting into introducing uh, lots of combiners. There right. was combiners left and right up the yin-yang. Yeah, yeah. And then you just cut to 20 yeah. years later, <laughs> and now the only combiners left uh, are the Constructicons. Right. The, the first ones we found out about. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into it. Um, so let's 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 just go ahead and and get started at the beginning. So we have the introduction. It kind of reminded me of the first Star Trek film, with mm. this cold open of the Klingons uh, getting eaten by V'ger. So you have this notion of Unicron as this giant planet-sized mm-hmm. machine. You have the happy robots on the planet Lithone, and they just all die. The score was great. The score is great. Can we talk about like sort of how they ended up with the voice talent in this movie? Just because like it immediately sort of raises questions. Like, do it, yeah, get in there. Well, I just I don't know the answer. I mean, how like uh, like how did they convince like Eric Idle and like I mean, yeah, and obviously Orson Welles is the standout. I mean, I just don't know Robert Stack, (laughs) Nimoy, Nimoy, yeah. Was it Dino De Laurentiis just like sort of probably promised them residuals on the new toys they were going to sell because they were just going to sell boatloads of Ooh. hot rod toys. I, I don't moolah, know. Moolah. <laughs> moolah. Yeah. There's probably a lot of cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that uh, Orson Welles quote uh, basically on his deathbed. He was saying like, I was in some fucking garbage movie where I was some weirdo like robot planet or some bullshit. And I didn't really understand what was happening, but. The check cleared. Yeah. I did it. I love that. <laughs> That's the rumor. That's the... I love that, like, one of the last things. I mean, well, like, apparently, on the Orson Welles thing, like, apparently he was in such poor health when they filmed this that, like, yeah. all of his voice stuff had to be heavily processed. I am Unicron. This is my command. You are to destroy the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. Mm-hmm. Like after the fact, because he was just like wheezing and like he was not very, he was not in good health at the time. Well, it is important to realize for people like Nimoy and Orson Welles, this was like one day of work or like two, two or maybe three days worth of work. Yeah. James Earl Jones, like he did Vader in a day and a half, I think. And that was it. Like the, you didn't realize that you were mm. creating this okay. enduring thing that would have this long, this long lived legacy. So. Um, all right, so so now we have uh, we have this great uh, voiceover narration. It is the year two thousand five. The treacherous Decepticons have conquered the Autobots' home planet of Cybertron. <laughs> we go to Cybertron. We see that Spike has grown up, um, and we have the Autobots basically on the run on the moons of Cybertron. Ironhide, report to me at once. Every time I look into a monitor prime, my circuits sizzle. When are we going to start busting Decepticops? I want... <laughs> Decepticops is good. <laughs> Who was that? Like Ratchet or something? I can't remember <laughs> which one. Ironhide. Ironhide, thank you. Sorry. Ratchet's a terrible name for a robot. <laughs> He's the, the medic, too. <laughs> yeah. You're super Ratchet. We also have Bumblebee. Bumblebee and Spike here. Who is voiced by Dan 
Gil Vazen, who I love because he also played Spidey on Spidey and His Amazing Friends. And then, of course, Jazz, played by Scatman Crothers. We're about to send up a shadow. Any Septicon shenanigans in your area? (laughs) His, I think it's Scatman Crothers' last last performance, too. Are you serious? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a heavy toll on this movie. Yeah, this movie killed people. (laughs) This movie killed the generation of our best (laughs) oldest actors. Cliff Jumper, played by Casey Kasem. Five, four... Three, two, one. Blast off! Did he? He he died later. He also dead though. Every listen. Fun fact: Everyone who is in this movie will at some point be dead. Yeah. <laughs> facts. Big facts. <laughs> so so the Autobots, they're like, we just got to get the fuck out of here. We are getting destroyed, and they take off, and the Decepticons just board the shuttle, and they waste everybody. Mm-hmm. There's no defense. There's no onboard security. No, just poke a hole in the ship and, and get in there and just fire five or six shots. And yeah. It's done. That shot to Ironhide when he was like crawling to his leg was brutal. Yeah. It is brutal. And it kind of tells you, it kind of sets the tone of like what kind of like dark shit this movie is going to be. It's just like, oh yeah, like no, this is a movie in which people are going to get got like just from the beginning. Like they're going to get shot and turn gray. That's what kind of kids movie this is. Oh man. So the the 30th anniversary special that was included in the iTunes features, they had a lot of interviews with Flint Dill, who was the story consultant. And apparently he, even though I don't think he had script credit, he came across it or at least was taking credit that he had had written most of it. He said that he got a call as they were starting the project and they're like, all of the toys from 1984 and 85 are all canceled. You need to kill all of them and replace them all with new toys mm-hmm. for 1986. Like, that's that's literally it. That is the purpose of this movie. And so he said he had to come up with a bunch of a bunch of them very quickly, and so he modeled them on the 1985 Chicago Bears. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> and he's like, if you look at them, you can see who's who. So I, I don't know what anybody's uh, Chicago Bears retro uh, football knowledge is. Not me. But that's at least the context for wasting everybody. I'm just trying to think of who who has the glasses, who's the the... <laughs> the Jim McMahon was that was that the quarterback's name? I guess some Ultra Magnus. I can't even remember. The fridge, the fridge would have been there somewhere, right? All right. So meanwhile, on Autobot City, we have our first look at Jason's favorite character in the film, Hot Rod, played by Jed Nelson. I, I didn't actually mind Hot Rod that much, like watching the movie this time. It, he, he like sort of is an interesting character because he has an arc. As a kid, I had a visceral hatred of Hot Rod. I think because he usurps like Optimus Prime, like, I guess, I guess that was it. I don't know. And like, he's sort of, you know, he kind of goes from being a cool sort of sports car to like a, like a Winnebago or something like that. Like, you know, he, he gets, <laughs> he gets some junk in his trunk, like as he levels up, which I also was weird. Uh, yeah. Like as a kid, I really didn't like him, but I think I was just like a, I think I was just like a bitter asshole. Like, how about you guys? I'm, I'm right with Jason. I, I hate hot rod. <laughs> <laughs> I think I figured out why. Okay. Uh, not just that he took over for Optimus. It's that they telegraphed it so... Right. I mean, he touches the Matrix and he, he glows blue. They should have just... Oh, what was that weird blue light that just happened? Guy, here, you, you could take the Matrix now. Right. And, like, even Ultra Magnus, even... He, like, bumbles the Matrix and then readjusts it and is like, okay, so you're not the guy. Uh, it's just that they telegraphed it too too hard. It could, it could have been a little bit of a mystery and, and an underdog story. But you just knew right then and there. It was coming. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they set you up to not like him because he, he's blowing through that uh, do not enter the checkpoint. Yeah. Like, all right. 
shitty job for some Autobot. To, that was, Cup, was, that yeah. was Cup, right? Yeah, was, that was Cup. Stand, yeah. You know, just standing out there with a fucking like child crossing sign. That's a tough one if you're an Autobot. <laughs> but also, Judd's delivery. Fire in your heart is hey, let's stop here. Why settle for a peak, Daniel, when you can see everything from Lookout Mountain? Wow. Lookout Mountain is a great, uh, that's, I mean, it's well delivered. What, uh, is Ultra Magnus, Jim, is Ultra Magnus in season one and two? Is that like an established character? I don't recall. I don't think so. Because I don't remember that fucking bozo either. Like, I mean, all of their, like, all of their, like, they, like, come on. Like, Bumblebee could have taken over or something, right? Like, this is, like, there's, like, people we knew who could have, like, come in to be the new Optimus Prime. No, like the the Dinobots, I think, were really the yeah the big the big winners who were popular before and continued to to stay on. So I don't know if they were had like a re- revision of the toy, and so that's why they got to keep on keeping on, or what was happening right. there? Or maybe they they were new enough. They they came out in season two or something, and they they got the the pass where everybody from season one. Mm. Got, got the axe. A few of them did make it uh, through the end. I was glad to see that Jazz and Bumblebee mm-hmm. made it at the end. So that was at least a plus. But well, I, I do want to call out as much as so I absolutely hated Hot Rod for the exact same reasons that, that you laid out. Fuck Hot Rod. I'm glad. I'm glad. I thought I was alone. I thought I was going to be with some Hot Rod lovers, but I'm glad that I'm. No, you I, are in the majority. That's great. And I do, just for the record, I do still hate him. Oh, great. But he does spring into action really fast, like his reaction very quickly, seizing up the situation and immediately attacking and, and then alerting the Autobots is great. Mm-hmm. But they just get, I think this film does a pretty good job of making you constantly fearful for the Autobots. Like they are just getting completely mm-hmm. destroyed. Yeah. yeah, they're wrecked. I mean, and there's a whole yeah. Cybertron full of Decepticons back, you know, so the the, the, the Autobots are wrecked. I mean, look who who's at the end, the the Dinobots and like six other guys. Yeah. And RC. And, and that's it. I do love the line. I got better things to do tonight than die. That's pretty good. That's like that's like up there with uh, the predator. I don't have time to bleed line. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought the exact same thing. Like, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Nice. I like how dialed we are in our appreciation. Like, even though I'm, my expertise in this genre is not as strong, I like that. I like that my reads are on. That's confirming for me. By the way, <laughs> Springer probably my favorite character from yeah from this movie. Yeah, uh, the green guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do like the passage of time where like the the shooting is happening overnight, and then it's the next day, and you kind of have the the final assault, and that's the moment where we have Prime coming in on the shuttle. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. You got the touch. You got the power. That's the best, like, three and a half minutes of... Of Of cinema? Yeah. He's just coming in. He's wrecking shop. He's like doing ninja moves. We've got the big thematic music. Everything's going to change. This, you know, everything that you thought you knew about this movie, where it was going downhill, now it's now it's turning turning positive. Big time. You know, so it's looking up. It's pretty crazy that like they kill off Optimus Prime and essentially the first reel of the movie. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow down. Right. Slow down. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> slow, slow down. Okay. One shall stand, one shall fall. 
classic. That is like an. I mean, Caleb, I'm waiting for you to like open the shirt, and that's just across the chest. <laughs> but I love the splinter that you know that that uh, Megatron mm-hmm. throws the into his side. Really the good. lightsaber. It, it, he's taking and dealing damage. Like I, I love Prime going for it. And, and Megatron was like surgical. He, he he opened that splinter up, and then he he was dumping shots into him and like mm. and hit, hitting him with the lightsaber, like you said. I mean, he was he knew what he was doing. Fall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit. Um, so then Hot Rod mm-hmm. gets in the way Hot like Rod a dumbass. Basically, gets Optimus Prime killed. He should be <laughs> he should be executed for treason. So how about Prime's final shot? Like he is about to mm-hmm. die, and he takes out Megatron. Oh yeah, and right there. Yeah. I'm glad you you stopped right there. That's like 22 minutes into the movie. Like this could have been a season finale of because mm. I was gonna make the joke like my my right. um, version was only 24 minutes or whatever it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like that could have been the best season finale ever or like yeah. uh, season premiere. Like you don't know who who lives or dies. They just end with Megatron's fall and the Decepticons, you know, retreat. It is it is weird mm. D- like that the movie has what like appears to be commercial breaks built in. Like there's like, there's like act breaks where they fade to black, like where they fade out as though like the commercial was going to play. It's probably just habit, right? Well, it's something that a lot of the, the films of the time were, right. they were chopped up into episodes and broadcast mm. on TV. So like the first GI Joe movie was like three episodes. There was like a, a Thundercats movie that was in the middle of one of the seasons that was like three episodes that they chopped it up into. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a formula that a lot of these toy merchandising cartoon movies were already into. So that's probably what was happening. Jason, are we doing the first two seasons of Thundercats on Dune Pod? No, we're not doing that. That's too... Because uh, like... Those like I've tried rewatching like Thundercats and like Gargoyles okay. and like a bunch of cartoons I liked as a kid, and it turns out it's just <laughs> a little tedious because like okay, thank God they were meant for a child's attention, and like you're like okay, I get it. Yeah. No, dude, I, I tried to watch the um, original Transformers series, and I got three or four episodes in, and you're like, and I host a Transformers podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are on Tubi, so. If you want to get in, you know, free online streaming with commercials where they're supposed to be. I I do not. So now we have the death of Optimus Prime. I have to start by saying when I, at some point I watched this movie like 15 years ago or something and I was like, Holy shit, LP, Cannibal Ox. I can't believe the sample right here. So I love that LP is a fucking nerd and that he's sampling the Transformers. And actually, he does both. This death scene does a much better version. And then, like, every time Galvatron has, like, um, Unicron is, like, punishing him with the red light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that sound he also samples and sprinkles throughout the cold vein. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, so very, very cool. Love that. I fear the wounds are fatal. Who wants to say something about, you know, like this, a moment of silence or like what do, what do we do here for, for crime? <laughs> well, he died three times on screen. Like his light, his eyes blinked out, then he grayed out, and then his head turned to the side. <laughs> yeah. And he, so, uh, so he comes back, right? Optimus comes back. Yeah, la- later seasons, the cartoons, okay. they, they bring him mm. back, so. Mm. Weep, weep not for 
dear Optimus. All right. I do love Till All Are One, uh, obviously. Sam was definitely, my three-year-old was definitely confused by why he turned black. What did you say? What was that? How did you take advantage of that teachable moment? I mean, I had just been explaining death to him about three months ago. Okay. We were like talking about it on a hike and then it stuck with him and he was asking questions about it for days and it, it hasn't come back. Um, so I got to wait and see whether this rattles around something, cracks, cracks something else out in discussion. Interesting. But certainly this, this had a very visceral reaction for me um, as a kid. So we cut from there to uh, Starscream tossing Megatron out of a hatch. Can we talk about Starscream for a minute? He's so petty. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> kind of the biggest oversight of Megatron's leadership is to keep Starscream as his number two because clearly just just worthless, like worse than worthless, like actively dangerous to your interests. Is it like a Mike Pence situation or? Well, it's, I guess it's a trouble where if you're a dude that transforms into a gun, you need definitely need someone to hold the gun. So like, you you know, and so like you need, you need a number two, but not, not him. Yeah. Uh, he, he chose the wrong one. He should have gone with the, uh, what's his face? Shockwave as the number two. Shockwave, obviously, Shockwave. obvious choice for mm. number two Decepticon. I think there was something in, see, maybe, maybe this, uh, watching two full seasons of the Transformers cartoon is going to pay off because I'm pretty sure it was brought up, uh, early on and Megatron basically said that because Starscream is so predictable and he knows Starscream's mm. strategies in and out, it's mm. easy mm. to keep him as mm. that number two because he can keep him in line. No, I was just saying he, he trusts Starscream to be like devious. He, he knows like that he's out to get him. So. so can we just, I want a quick sidebar in a couple early episodes of Lost Light that I listened to. You were talking about how Megatron was originally kind of like a freedom fighter. Mm-hmm. And he and he kind of got set up and manip- manipulated and betrayed. So, like, could you just give us like just the the twenty second version of that? All right. So back before the war of between the Autobots and Decepticons, Cybertron was run by a Senate, and basically their their system, their their way of life was um, what you transformed into was your status in life. So if you were like you transformed into a stethoscope or, or a microscope, <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you know, like a doctor. You were treated really well. If you transformed into a you know construction instrument, uh, you were treated like dirt. Huh. Uh, Megatron was a miner. Um, he transformed into uh, I don't know a drill or something or other, um, and he was writing. Yeah, he, he was a, a pacifist, and he was writing like mm. essays, like you know this needs to change. You know you you know you can you can change. You can be whoever you want to be. And basically, the Senate tried to have him murdered. Wow, didn't work out, and he led a resistance. That's crazy. That's a good story. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Uh, and somewhere along the line, he sort of lost the thread and, and got into a power grab, basically. He overthrew the Senate, the Autobots, who were like the police force, most of them, um, for the Senate, even though they didn't really understand how corrupt the Senate was. They were fighting against them. Mm. And then he got it in mm. his head that organic <laughs> life was the problem. bad. Yeah. So that, that was where he kind of like went genocidal. I like this version. So the so the Autobots were the cops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like it too. All right. So we go from there. Megatron tossed out the window, gets picked up by Unicron, um, who comes and basically transforms him and turns him into Galvatron. This also like fucked me up as a kid. Cause it's just like you're just like, wait a minute, what do you mean Megatron is now someone else? Yeah. Like that doesn't that 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 it made me think like this was like 
um, that my parents had taken me to like the wrong the wrong movie or like sort of like a a bootleg version. I was like, you know, they wouldn't do that. To like, why would they get rid of Megatron? He's like one of the most popular, well-known characters. They're not going to bring in fucking... But I will say this about Galvatron. One of the best toys. Like one of the best actual toys. I have, really? I, I actually still have the Galvatron toy. What? Uh, somewhere, somewhere in my... I think it's either... I can't remember where it is right now. It's next to your Tempest cabinet. Oh. It's in the home somewhere. Just great. Like big light-up cannon... You know the whole nozzle like lit up. It was a, it was great. It was a a beautiful piece of plastic electronics. Does he transform into the tripod? Yeah, he transforms into the cannon, Oof. which he solved his own problem. Like I no longer need to be held by Starscream. Exactly, exactly, dude. Smart. <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna be a fucking howitzer, and I'm gonna be Leonard Nimoy. Mm. Incidentally, you should drop in a sample of uh, Galvatron singing the Bilbo Baggins song that Leonard Nimoy did as a single in the middle of the earth in the land of shire lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire with his long wooden pipe fuzzy woolly toes he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him bilbo bilbo baggins he's only three feet tall bilbo bilbo baggins the bravest little hobbit of them all (laughs) just imagine that okay okay what? Imagine that it's the reincarnated form of Megatron singing a Bilbo Baggins song. <laughs> like from the got Rankin it. and Bass uh, yeah. album? Oh, my God. I think he did an album. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy did an album, and he has as a single on that album a song about Bilbo Baggins. Oh. It's amazing. Unlicensed J.R.R. Token fan song. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy's voice here really took me out. I will rip open Ultra Magnus and every other Autobot until the Matrix has been destroyed. Yeah. Because this was the one voice that was like, okay, yeah. this is Leonard Nimoy now. And like, eh, okay, I don't take this as Galvatron. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy. We also have Scorch the Tracker and Cyclonus the Warrior and his Armada and the ship. Like this is the giant commercial portion of the of the movie. Yeah. And so we cut from there. Speaking of Starscream, we have the great coronation scene where Starscream is, is being uh, crowned as the king. You have the trumpet bit with shooting off the trumpets for playing too long. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was great. <laughs> and then Galvatron just absolutely wastes him. And the body count of this movie just continues to increase <laughs> totally. at this point then. Yeah. Well, so I went looking today because I thought it would just be awesome if somebody did an in memoriam for the Transformers movie. A lot of people die. Right? Somebody should definitely get on that. (laughs) As I was looking for that, I went down a rabbit hole on Transformers funerary practices. Oh, my God. Quote, after Ultra Magnus was shot dead by Six Shot, he received a burial at sea on his favorite planet Earth inside a glass coffin Wild. decorated with Christian imagery. Wild. Others were, others were like buried underground on their favorite planets or where they died. Mm-hmm. Others were taken back to Cybertron to become one with the Matrix or whatever. So that was kind of interesting. Talk about death practices and, and lost in more than meets the eye of the comic that we're following, there's like an urban legend, a uh, grim reaper type uh, called the Necrobot. Like and he, ba- he he basically just documents how everyone died, mm. um, how the whole Cybertronian race uh, lived and died. And um, that's, it's pretty cool little Neat. part of the story. All right. So from there we go to Unicron eating the Autobot moon bases, which to me is relevant for the line. Look, 
It isn't even dented. Oh shit, what are we gonna do now? Yeah. <laughs> and it was the human character that said it. It wasn't even the, the... Yeah, Spike. Uh, yeah. That's wild. Oh, we forgot to mention they escape on Astro Train. The Decepticons escape on Astro Train. <laughs> Did you have that too? I also had Astro Train. And Astro Train <laughs> was fucking <sighs> fire as a toy. First of all, the space shuttle mode looks dope. Like it's a purple pit space yeah. shuttle. But then it's also a train. I mean, and then it's also a robot. <laughs> like it is one of the best toys ever made. Yeah. Astro Train is a dope one for sure. Yeah, the, the triple changers are the best. That's why Springer... Uh, the green guy, the green Autobot is is my favorite. Oh, Helicopter, yeah. right? Helicopter and like a tank or a car or truck yeah. vehicle. The Unicron eating Cybertron situation. The moon bases? The moon bases, rather. Mm-hmm. It just has to be said how like rectal the Unicron opening appears, right? I mean, like, <laughs> it, it, it's like, they, like before he becomes the robot Unicron, it's essentially an Orson Welles voiced anus that's just cruising the galaxy shoving shoving things in the rear entry <laughs> as a way of taking over the universe <laughs> and talking out of it yeah 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 sphincterish it was yeah it stood out <laughs> then as a child and choice. now as an adult that one aged it's the same i mean there there were teeth there were teeth involved that's yeah, for sure that's, that's, that feels dangerous <laughs> uh so the shuttles take off you have hot rod and and Cup with the Dinobots. Yep. I do love Cup telling his stories. This reminds me of the battle on Alpha 9. The Federal Rabbits were, Grimlock, get your noodle out of my face. Me, Grimlock, love Cup's war stories. You're living one now. Engage the boosters for yeah. I, I really like that. I, I love Cup in this movie. Yeah, cup cups up there for me too. And like when, when he's trying to take off, and he turns, and Grimlock's big yeah. face is right there. Get your yeah. noodle out of my. Uh, the, yeah, that was great. <laughs> so so they crash land, and I think it's Springer. Somebody says, uh, "Cup and Hot Rod just bought it." And Ultra Magnus, like yeah. in desperate. I can't deal with that now. <laughs> No, he he said he didn't want to be the boss. He said he was just a soldier. He's just overloaded. He's not going to make it. It's the Peter principle of like Autobot leadership. Like they should have kept him as an individual contributor, but he felt that for his career, he had to get promoted into management. He wasn't able to code anymore. It made him unhappy. No. No, no, no. He didn't push for it at all. Like That's he true. was he attempted to resist the call. He is very humble about it, right? That's true. I love when when he says I'm just a soldier and Prime said so was I. Yeah. Like that's a cool moment in my mind. It kind of reveals then that Prime is a jackass, right? Because he didn't recognize who who the Autobots actually needed to lead. What was Prime's succession plan? He should have had it in place. He should have had something better than just whoever happened to be around when he got got by <laughs> Megatron. <laughs> I, I would assume that his secession plan all got murdered on the ship right at the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's like, a good it point. was either Ironhide or one of the <laughs> other five or six. Uh, Jason, real quick, you said you hated Hot Rod. What what would what were your thoughts on Ultra Magnus? Would you have been cool if Ultra Magnus would have would have just opened it up? No way, man. I well, like I said before, I didn't. I don't. I'm not like super against him because he seemed like a chiller, like he wanted to do his job. But I just as leader, I was like, I didn't believe in Ultra Magnus. <laughs> So he does fake a crash to save folks. They crash onto the junk planet. Galvatron, you know, reports back to Unicron. I just, Galvatron sucks. Yeah. Like he is a piece of shit through this entire movie. He constantly thinks he's done his mission. He's always wrong. He's always getting punished. He's always trying to like pull a big move and he fails every time. 
Yeah, he's essentially the now the Starscream yeah. to the Unicron, mm-hmm. where he's trying to like pull one over and be the more powerful, mm. but refuses to acknowledge that he's just second fiddle. Hearing Galvatron and Megatron talk about like their accomplishments is like hearing a fish story. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I crushed Optimus with my own hand, with my own bare hands. Like, and Unicron called him out. He was like, "Well, you, you exaggerate, no. bud." He's like, "It's still the same. It's same, same difference." He died, but and then he did the same with Ultra Magnus, and Unicron's like, "No, he's alive." A lot of emphasis on the with your own hands. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, all right. I mean, like, yeah. look, it doesn't really matter yeah. in the end, right? We're here for results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's who's the other one? It's There's Cyclonus. That's like another one that gets tra- gets made anew. Scorch, the tracker, and Cyclonus, the warrior. Cyclonus ends up looking a little too much like Galvatron in robot form also. is a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Agree. All right, so now we have this sort of has two two areas, and I'm going to sort of collapse them. They intercut back and forth as the story goes, but we're just going to deal with each one separately. The first one is um, Cup, the Autobots, and Hot Rod on Quintessa. Love Quintessa. Quintessa is very cool. So they start out underwater, and there are robot piranhas and squids. This is the home of the Sharktacons. Love the Sharktacons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the attempt to use the universal greeting, Jason, which is? I don't have the universal greeting memorized. I'm ashamed to say. Ba-ram you. Ba-ram you. You're a greed. You're a fleece. You're a clan. Be true. She'd be true. Ba-ram you. Caleb, go ahead. Ba weep grana weep ninny bop. I remember the ninny bop part. That's all I got. Ba weep grana weep You got it. Does this have any any precedent in Transformers lore outside of the movie? No. no. Okay. No. Great. Zero. I mean, maybe it might be the biggest thing in the world. I, I mean, we've just been missing it, Jim. It's so. great. All right, so we have, um, they are captured by the Sharktacons, and they're taken to the Quintesson Court, which is essentially a kangaroo court. This scene is really awesome, and you have sort of the magistrate and the judges. Has the Imperial Magistrate reached a verdict? I have guilty or innocent. Innocent. Feed him to the Sharktacons. Mm-hmm. I actually love the design of the guy with like the alien head and the tentacles and, and robot. Mm, love it. That was creepy. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love their whole situation with the rotating head and like the 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 Kafka esque justice mm. system. And Innocent. I just I like the whole vibe of what's going on. It's also very dark and weird for a kids movie. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the Dinobots meet Wheelie. Wheelie is another Autobot that had been on Quintessa. He leads them back. Grimlock stomps his feet and all the Sharktacons decide to follow him instead and they're able to escape and go try and meet up with everybody else on the planet of junk. Anything else on Quintessa we need to hit? Yeah, Wheelie's rough. Grim, fine, look behind. You go wrong way, you fool, I say. Me, Grimlock, fool? Picture you not. No fool, you not. <laughs> Wheelie's a rough, a rough hang. Wheelie is insufferable. I, I can't stand Wheelie. The worst. <laughs> oh, fucking awful. What, what an asshole. Yeah. God, he, he sucked. <laughs> I, I always wanted Wheelie, Wheelie and Blur to like be friends more because it seemed like two sides of the same 100%. Coin, I but. wanted them to both be eliminated into space. <laughs> so then we have the planet of junk. The Junkions? 
Who wants to lead us through this this segment? Junkions are potentially interesting because of the whole mm. they only speak in like what they received from television. Yes, friends, act now, destroy Unicron, kill the Grand Poobah, eliminate even the toughest stain. Like, that's an interesting hook. I think Eric Idle kind of kills it a little bit. Like, I mean, in a bad way. Like, yeah. I don't think he does a... I don't think Eric Idle is very good as Rex, whatever the fuck, the chief junkie on uh-huh. is. He's just kind of annoying. But then also, the <laughs> other weird thing is, is that they decide that this is the appropriate time to... In- to introduce Weird Al Yankovic's Dare to be Stupid. Which is just which is just a curious choice. I don't I don't why? What's up with that? <laughs> they literally had a dance circle with Ultra Magnus in pieces. Why? 50 feet from them and they were just dancing around like it was nothing. <laughs> to like a, a Devo style parody. It's very it's a very strange. In general the musical <laughs> cues in this movie are odd. Like Crystal, I watched this with my wife. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like the, the, you know, when they, the, the use of the touch doesn't feel, I mean, that even feels weird. It's like, especially the first time it's on, it just feels like very heroic, but like all of this bad shit is happening. Like all of their music choices are just a little bit strange. And the way they use songs are just a little bit strange in this movie. Uh Well, we have, you have three different modes. So you have touch and dare both by Stan Bush. Right. And those are kind of like in the vein of eye of the tiger. Right. Then you have a bunch of songs that are more like hair metal, um, that are more like rocking songs with actual vocals and stuff. Yeah. tonight like that that which i absolutely love that in this movie even though it's completely ridiculous then you have interstitial music which was done by the the composer some of which is kind of like metal themed and other is electronic. And they, he described having rooms full of synthesizers that they brought in okay. and they basically just created all these crazy samples and sounds. And I, I think the soundtrack for this movie is absolutely amazing yeah. and I love it. Yeah. I, I, I love it too. There's a couple misses. The, the dare to be stupid is kind of, is kind of goofy and I hated the, the worst updated um, theme song. Yes. <laughs> Good call. I, I wasn't there for it. You can't fuck with a classic. You can't, like, the lion, it's lion who covers the main theme. Lion, yeah. Because they also, they <laughs> transpose it into a minor key. They do. The, the Decepticons. Decepticons. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it sounds like a wet fart. It's just terrible. Like, it's supposed to be, like, <laughs> it's one of the best theme songs in all of cartoons, and there's no reason to fuck with it. That was very frustrating. Good call. I'm I'm getting mad all over okay. again now. I loved it. <laughs> it definitely worked for me, even though it has problems. Uh, that that definitely worked for me. So the Junkions, they just decide randomly when they hear the universal greeting from Hot Rod. A, they immediately <clears throat> team up. B, they just resurrect Ultra Magnus like it's no big deal. Yeah, no problem. That was kind of wild. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just pull pull a little spit shine, you know. Uh, but can we talk about the Junkions? 
at becoming motorcycles that other junkions get to ride. And when they wipe out, they just swap each other. And they're just like, all right, I wasn't a very good motorcycle. (laughs) Why don't you try being a motorcycle now? Yeah, your your turn, bud. I thought that was cool. I actually like that touch. I I thought that was like a neat thing. I love that. And I don't have any clue if the toys actually did that, but I would love it if they did. Jim, sometimes when you're in a long-term relationship with other folks, you want to be able to just switch roles and keep it yeah, just keep it fresh. <laughs> sometimes you want to be the motorcycle. Everyone gets a turn, you know. I like that they dance like the hora around uh, when they celebrate. Like it's like a bar mitzvah, basically, uh, is the celebration <laughs> on the junk planet. I also like it was pointed out in our short-lived live stream of this episode. I think Corey pointed it out. The junkions have mustaches, which appear to be like real hair. Like I don't know. I don't know what robot mustaches are made out of. Yeah, maybe fiber optics or something. Uh. They're very stylish. This is what I'm I'm working on my uh, on my junkie on mustache right now. Oh, one final note on the soundtrack: the band that performs a number of the songs in the soundtrack, including uh, like "Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way" and "Hunger," is credited as Specter General, mm-hmm. but is in fact the band Kick Axe, yeah, which is a Canadian heavy metal band. And the producers of the film just decided that Kick Axe sounded too like violent for mm. the Transformers, the movie, and they just changed the name to Spectre General without telling them or getting permission. They're just like, we're putting you on the soundtrack as Spectre General. Congratulations. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. I actually have a couple things about the sound- soundtrack, too, I, I meant try to get in. Please. Dare by Stan Bush doesn't get enough credit. Like, the, the touch gets all the credit and... and as it should, but uh, I, I really liked Dare. Both times when they bring Dare back at the end, yeah, um, really strong. I like I like both, and then um, the touch. Our friends over at Cinenauts, another tape deck production, they're going to be oh, doing yeah. Boogie Nights, and I read that Mark Wahlberg performed the touch either on screen or in deleted deleted scene. I'm not sure. After all is said and done, Have you not seen the movie? No, I've never seen Boogie Nights. Uh, oh, my God, Caleb. It. Fix fix that. Oof. Yeah, I mean, they basically took that song as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. I, until revisiting it. it now, I've only been thinking about it in the sense of, of Wahlberg's version. You only think Mark Wahlberg's version, then, wow, that's uh, got to get that. You got to see it, Caleb. You'll, you'll definitely appreciate it. So they're now unified, and yeah. they're going against Unicron, who Unicron is now attacking Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Unicron is transformed into robot form and then is standing on top of Cybertron. So first of all, do you guys know the backstory between Unicron and Cybertron? No. Were they friends once? (laughs) Did they date? (laughs) According to the Transformers lore, before the dawn of time, order and chaos exists within an extra-dimensional entity known as the One. To explore the fledgling universe, he creates the astral being known as Unicron and then subdivides him, creating his twin, Primus. Both brothers are multiversal singularities unique in all realities. But whereas Unicron can only exist in one universe at a time, moving freely between them at will, Primus exists simultaneously in all realities at once. I'm not going to read all of this, but suffice to say, Primus ends up becoming the world Cybertron. Gotcha. So this is his brother. 
that he is that he is fighting. And out of that, you have the fallen betraying Primus and becoming an accolade of Unicron and the foundation of the Autobots and the Decepticons and all that stuff. Does any of this ring a bell for for you guys? Yeah, uh, the continuity um, that we follow with uh, More Than Meets the Eye is a little different. They have a um, all right. Their creation theory was Primus was the original god, mm. and uh, he created uh, four or five other called the Guiding Hand. Uh, each of them have a purpose, like a epistemus, whatever. One of them is like wisdom and, and whatnot. And then the the fifth one is Mortalis, who a lot of people thought was Unicron because he's like the the god of death, and he of course betrays the rest of them. They have a little war, and um, Primus has to basically um, go into the Matrix uh, because he was so wounded. But um, that mm. turned out to we don't know as far as where me and Jim are at, if that's interesting. Uh, Unicron or not, if Mortalis is Unicron or not. Mm. Jason is going to be up for days wondering what. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to read some. <laughs> <videos for sure. laughs> All right. So can we just say that the scale of Unicron is not very consistent in the finale of the film? <laughs> Come on. Is that, that's not really, that's not strictly relevant. But he's like planet size, but then no, he's not. He's like holding a ship, but he's also standing on a planet like that. It's a little weird. Yeah. Transformers scale doesn't matter ever. Yeah. You know, how, how big Megatron uh, is as a robot. And then he turns into this tiny little gun yeah megatron was even like riding around in some of the other ships sometimes as a robot it doesn't matter scale doesn't really matter they're just kind of okay quantum fields or whatever are (laughs) variable i'm not really sure that the conservation of mass is one of the uh one of the major problems problems. yeah (laughs) how about daniel showing up with eight seconds to spare to save his dad from getting dropped into a vat of acid super chill would have been traumatic for him if he'd fucked up i thought a lot about (laughs) i actually as a dad i was like yeah Man, I would hate to put my kid in that situation where if they screwed up, that would be on them for the rest of their yeah, life. Yeah, no shit. That's, it, seems, it seems like it would be tough. How about, let's backtrack on Daniel for, uh, for a second, but they give him that suit and he can't even right. walk. And then right. 30 minutes later, they're running away from the junk decons yeah. and Blur leaves him. You'll figure it out, kid. Oh, you'll figure it out. Transform. Just transform. Bud. Transform, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I believe in you. And then they left. They leave him. Just do it. It's tough. <laughs> Eight-year-old boy in a, in a, it was like a you know, I mean, that was a different generation, though, right? It was like the latchkey generation. You were allowed yeah. to go home from school after and, like, you know, expect <laughs> to be able to make yourself a snack. And, like, wasn't like the helicopter parents that we have today. Sink or swim. Would never allow such a thing to happen. <laughs> this is how good he was because he, like, took a step forward. That didn't work. <laughs> took it. Got finally got one, a second step forward. And then he did, like, a super backflip. The super like, backflip was strong. Thing, so, yeah. He was... He's a natural. Yeah. So at this point, we have the final battle between Galvatron and Hot Rod. Hot Rod opens the AllSpark, and we have, you know, the words of Optimus Prime. Arise, Optimus Prime. Optimus. Ugh, tough. And we have this weird transformation where, you know, it's like human growth hormone. He looks like Stallone a little yeah. bit. He's on the juice. He looks weird. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was getting bigger or if it was just like a strobe effect. I was looking for it this time, too, because I knew it was coming. And I think it's very unclear in that moment that he actually does suddenly get like some extra junk in the wagon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The RV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he gets like He gets like a kitchenette put in. It is like human growth hormone. They basically hopped him up on whatever they gave that winning horse at the Kentucky Derby. They just like give him a little, you know, shot of something, and he like uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's ready to go. He's got the spark in him now. He's got the touch. 
So he's got the touch. So they that's what the touch is. Yeah. So they defeat Unicron, he explodes, his head just you know floats off into the darkness, a la Darth Vader. That seemed ominous to me. I was like, oh, the head's still operational. He's probably gonna fu- he's gonna be yeah. doing something from in the, inside that head. But Rodimus declares the Cybertronian wars are over and we and we go to credits. So like how long does that last? Ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, until they walk around the corner of Cybertron and all the rest of the Decepticons <laughs> that, that were there. Still there. <laughs> there. Yeah, Shockwave Shockwave is still on Cybertron. He's the best one. So whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, Soundwave. We don't know what became of him. I mean, well, spoiler. I read somewhere where it was like after shortly after Cybertron was destroyed, such such and such went somewhere, and I was like, okay, well, that doesn't sound good. That was the third. That was like the third best toy. Incidentally, it was sound the the cassette tape. The cassette tapes were mm. incredible as a toy, as mm. a kid. Like to be able to have a toy that transformed into a boombox and you could put other transforming toys in the boombox. The fight scene with the two of them Woo. with their tapes fighting. Some good shit. Yeah, that, that was dope. Yep. It was also cool. That was cool. That resonated for me as a kid because it was very rare for them to like bust out all of their cassettes at once. Like to be like, all the guys got to go. We need everyone. All four of you guys got to get out. It was usually just like they'd activate one or something like that you need the one to go spy or you need the one to go uh just like cause an earthquake in the middle of a river for no particular reason very strange power to specialize in yeah this whole movie happened because uh the autobots never figured out how to like keep laser beak away from just flying in and overhearing their plans (laughs) i mean this all would have been avoided if they would have just put a roof on Yeah. Yeah, had a roof. <laughs> yeah. Laser beak has been poning you for 20 years at this point. That same move, just fly, flying in and overhearing. <sighs> Amazing. Final thoughts on Transform- The Transformers, the movie. Who was this movie made for? That's what I want to know. Me. Was this supposed to be a kid's movie? I think it was made for like Matt, though. I think it was made for like 16-year-olds as opposed to 10-year-olds. I think this was like some kind of weird, because I think that also explains the shit inclusion like i think they had some weird theory that like they were going to try to get a old slightly older demographic that maybe had gotten bored with like the gen one toys or something and i was like okay but look now it's edgy and we got they're all going to be new people now it didn't work for me as a 10 year old yeah no i think that's uh i think that's definitely fair i mean i'm just going to continue to believe that it was all made for me so that it 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 works for me (laughs) Can we talk about some amazing shit that's in the featurettes on the restoration Please. of this movie? So they like Please. they went to like go do like the 4K restoration of this movie and they went back to scan, you know, the original and negatives <laughs> in like frame by frame uh, and they did all of the correction stuff. And so there's like a there's a whole thing about this. And there's one guy, like there's a couple guys. It's it's cool though when they show the machine that's like scanning one frame at a time and it's taking like six pictures at 6K resolution, and then it takes the yeah. 4K and holds on to that. And then technically, they do, yeah, technically so it's the, cool. And like the guys working on it are largely sort of ambivalent about Transformers. Like generally, they're just like, yeah, like we use this process <laughs> and it's kind of neat, and like you can take things out or whatever. But there's one bro who's like clearly this is his like Citizen Kane. Like he's like wanted to work on this for 30 years and he's finally <laughs> restoring it. And he's like, and the thing I realized is there's all this detail that's never been seen before. Like, you know, when you see the laser beams, you you think they're just magenta, but in this transfer, you can realize the layers and the depth of magenta <laughs> that's actually behind that. And I'm like, oh, wow. You really, you really <laughs> are seeing something that I don't know if is supported by the text. 
You described it as working on the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he's like he's like he's like talking about it as though he's like up on scaffolding in like the Vatican, like slowly peeling back like you know centuries of dust that have accumulated to see like you know the original the original creation that's left behind. It's 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 pretty strong. He's really into it. I feel good for him. Did they talk about the Did they talk about the aspect ratio no. at all? Because that was yeah, a weird. Go thing. for it. No, say more. What do you mean? It was. Fully animated in four by three with the intent that it was going to be played in movie theaters at 16 by nine or whatever. So in order to actually see everything that was fully animated, you do need to watch it. Yeah. Four by three. What? But that was not like the intent. So it's weird. This is like the Zack Snyder theories. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it it appeared just as 16 by 9 on Apple TV on whatever 30th edition, 30th anniversary edition they I purchased. Yeah, you can buy like a Blu-ray or something that has both of them and huh. pick pick the version you want to watch. Wild. Did any of the bonus features talk about the like goofs because there's one that like No. scarred me as a child uh, when Devastator hits one of the Dinobots. They're like eyes pop out of their head, and it's like a Looney Tunes. <laughs> I, that that just always stuck out to me. Like their eyes stayed in the same place. Yeah. I feel like I saw that. Amazing. All right. Well, so who would Tilda Swinton play, Jim? If you had to cast one role in this film with <laughs> Tilda Swinton, who would it be? Blur, maybe. I think that could work. <laughs> oh, I no. could see that. Strong. I like it. That is edgy. That you're like, can we take? Can we turn around this character? Everyone hates. Yeah, Blur was a fucked up character. No, I mean we already talked about he's fucked up, but he was a fucked up toy too because he had these weird like rubberized parts that like he had this weird shield thing that like attached to the front of him, and it was made out of this like pliable rubber that none of the other Transformer toys were made out of. Huh. This episode has gone in a completely different direction. Like I did not expect to learn that Jason owned like all of the Transformers toys. I had all the Transformers. I had all the Transformers. <laughs> I had, we came from a very middle class background, but I put all of my savings into Transformers. And Cabbage Patch Kids. No, Transformers and Star Wars. It's Star Wars circa, yeah, I had a lot of those too. All right, Caleb, who would Tilda Swinton play in your in your recasting? Wheelie. Oh my God, that's strong. Wheelie, that's really strong. I mean, it can only go up. God. Yeah, you got you got to redeem Wheelie. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Starscream. That's a good one. <laughs> just randomly, just to see if see if you know what what she could do there, and it wouldn't be explained. She's just suddenly doing the voice of Starscream. I would do Unicron because I think. Someone, you know, having someone do something with that role who wasn't mm. half dead ah! might be uh, <laughs> an interesting choice. Yeah, I can see that. Uh. Okay, here we go with our letters and voicemail. You know, we might have had some live feedback but that will be for a future episode. Here is from your favorite friend of the show. Yeah. Doompod, it's Corey from Austin, Texas. Calling in about Transformers the Movie, 1986. I'm hoping Jason has survived this episode and <laughs> hasn't really melted his brain having to go through this whole thing. But uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of talk about the music, uh, especially 
extinguishes the touch. But I do want to, the whole soundtrack is actually a whole lot of fun and um, really full of inspirational tracks. <laughs> but I have to say my favorite cut on the album has to be uh, Weird Al Yankovic's Dare Be Stupid, uh, which uh, frontman of Devo and uh, composer Mark Mothersbaugh once described as the most beautiful thing he's ever heard. And I would have mm. to agree, this uh, Weird Al song is top effing drawer. It is really good. It makes sense, though. I, I see that. So, yeah. Transformers the movies. I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, I was a G.I. Joe guy. Not that the, you know, not like it's a Beatles and Stones thing, but uh, I did skew more towards G.I. Joe than I did Transformers growing up. But uh, that movie was, it's, I've never seen it all the way through. So, uh, you know, I've seen the, the, the big parts that I need to see. Maybe someday I'll revisit it. But anyway, thanks for covering this. I think it's a great addition to uh, Doom Pop. Um, excellent work there, H. All right. See you guys soon. Bye. I do think that G.I. Joe and Transformers is like Beatles and Stones. Because, I, I, like, I, I do mm. not like G.I. Joe, and I didn't watch it as a kid. I think you could do any of the toy cartoons because as a young person, you had to... You had to specialize. Yeah, you had to pick and choose what was going to be on your birthday list. Mm. If you were going to have them fight each other, you don't want to have Optimus Prime fight like Cobra That's Commander. That, didn't, that wouldn't work. I feel like didn't uh, I don't know if it was Boom or somebody did like uh, some cool ass Transformers miniseries like with Jay Lee cover art with like the Transformers from World War Two. Mm. I heard about that. I've 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 always meant to go and find that. I've heard that described before too. Hmm. I'll put links in the show notes when we find it. Like someone someone transforms into mustard gas or something. Yeah. <laughs> someone transforms into a trench. <laughs> Not good, not good. World War Two, not one, not one. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Someone uh, transforms. It never mind. It'll be too dark. Continue. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Abort. Too dark even for me. <laughs> bail out, bail out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Jim, Caleb, what do you have to plug? What are you guys excited about? What what's what's coming up next? I mean, we've got our Lost Light is our great podcast episode coming up. Uh, you can talk about Volume Nine. I'm excited about this because Caleb keeps telling me that volume 10 is going to knock my socks off on every volume before it. Okay. Uh, I'm on barefoot. So Jim, you also have Jim and Barb work from home. Can you give that a plug briefly? <laughs> it's a great podcast. Uh, that is the podcast. My sister texted me on a Friday night and said, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. This is a global pandemic. All right, let's record a podcast. Yes. Um, and that's what happened. And it's, it's podcasting magic. People should, should check that out. Caleb, how about you? Anything else you're super excited about? I, I am super excited to get um, to volume 10 of More Than Meets the Eye. It's, we're, we're almost done with this series. And uh, mm. you know, we, we got to decide what's going to be next for me and Jim, mm. what we're going to do. And so uh, I'm excited about figuring that out and maybe having some more, you know, guest hosts doing some some more fun things like this, like watching the movie, um, watching other movies, or maybe doing something that's not Transformers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what you guys do. You're going to be like uh, Megatron turning into Galvatron. You guys are going to get rebuilt and reborn and, and do your new thing after more than meets the eye. <laughs> Cannot wait to see what happens. A cool thing. Okay, yeah, that's it. I was gonna I was gonna talk about toys some more, but <laughs> what what I can't. give it to me. One cool thing on the packaging of the old I was just <laughs> looking this up because I was trying to remember. <laughs> I was trying to remember. On the packaging of the Transformers. You're a fucking nerd. 
This is so wild. <laughs> they basically had power rankings of how good the Transformers were across different metrics, but you had to like get this piece of translucent red cellophane mm. to hold over the graph so that you could read it. Mm -hmm. To reveal. And so it combined two things that I like. One is a secret, and two is rankings, like an absolute like definitive canonical ranking of how strong like various characters were across across metrics like optimus prime peaked out at, at his strength and intelligence were all pegged all the way to the top but he's just like clear he was like tens and nines for everything he was just like the best at everything mm. i love that <laughs> love that amazing toys just really great toys <laughs> amazing yeah i ended up needing to uh what did I got a piece of uh, saran wrap. Got a red permanent marker. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Oh, a cheat code. Just kind of filled it in so I could just hold it over there because yeah, I'm not going. Holy shit! Yeah, exactly. Hacking, hacking the planet. Love it. Love it. And that's it for this episode of Dune Pod. I want to thank Jason, Jim, and Caleb for a really fun conversation. Next week. Cartoonist sensation Mel Mendes joins us for Lawrence Kasdan's 1990 cult classic starring Keanu Reeves, River Phoenix, Kevin Kline, Tracy Ullman, and William Hurt. I love you to death. Available on all major platforms. If you're enjoying this podcast, follow us at DunePod on Instagram and Twitter and share our social media posts as it really helps new listeners find the show. And join our Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. The link is in the show notes. DunePod is a tape deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. The episode was produced and edited by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.